Great, uh, we are recording. Hello everyone, today I am joined by Olga Pogosheva, the founder of Melavora Software. Um, she was introduced to me through a mutual friend, uh, my friend Mohammed Al Hashemi, um, who I collaborate with on LinkedIn frequently. Um, gonna jump right in here with her in a moment. Just want to point out this episode is brought to you by Vibel Energy Tea, um, the now official sponsor of the Mavens Havens podcast. So uh, with that being said, Olga, thank you so much for joining me. Really great to have you. Thank you, Eric. So great, great to hear, be here. And yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So why don't we uh, dive right in? Um, I am, and uh, I'm sure my viewers are all very interested in hearing um, about, you know, what you do about Melavora software. I've taken a bit of a look at, um, you know, your company, your LinkedIn page, and I see you're helping uh, organizations in the areas of things like uh, DevOps, machine learning, big data. But I really want to kick it off to you to uh, tell me all about your company. Yeah, absolutely. So um, starting at Melibora was like a natural step for me uh, because I've been working in IT industry for uh, for several years and I've started in IT outsourcing and it was my like first job and um, it wasn't like um, the job where you was told what to do and um, that's how you operate it. In fact, we had to deal with most of the customers and most of the jobs ourselves without any strict manage management, management from the side of our boss. So that gave all of the team an opportunity to learn a lot about IT industry and to take independent decisions, like so independent that it actually struck my mind at the very start of my career that I could have done all of that myself without any supervision, without any <laughs> actual uh, boss on top of me. So um, yeah, so, but after that, I worked in several product companies as well. And um, actually Malibuori is not my first attempt of starting a business. I've been trying to develop, um, uh, to create a product of my own and to try to bring it to the market. And we actually had an MVP, uh, but uh, yeah, we couldn't bring it to the market and I ended up spending several months uh, losing um, time and my own money on bringing that product. And um, then I just took the easy road. So it's not a, um, it might not sound like too heroic of me, but I took the easy road because Melibora Software is a service-based um, service business uh, where we help other businesses to with their problems in um, areas of data engineering, uh, data science, machine learning, uh, natural language processing, and DevOps technologies. And that's what we do. We have several approaches that we um, take in order to help our customers. And we also do customized solutions. And um, yes, that is typically what we do. So we use and we like, leverage our previous experience and also our experience in developing our own products um, to help other businesses to to excel in whatever goals they have. That's awesome. That's a great story. It really sounds like the uh, culmination of a very long learning journey. I mean, you kind of uh, started out there, not exactly started out there, but um, earlier in your career, you're like, I'm doing so much, so much valuable stuff here that um, I could do, you know, for myself to uh, profit myself, um, you know, yeah, in absolutely. the form, yeah, in the form of a business. So uh, why not? 
which I feel like I hear from entrepreneurs kind of all the time. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of what leads them uh, along this journey for sure. Um, it's funny you described it as kind of taking the easy road. Um, is that kind of how you feel about running your own company or um, you know making this decision? Uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, but well, it is um, well. People are convinced that uh, running service-based businesses is easier than bringing a product to the market. And in a way, I do agree because I've worked in both service-based uh, companies and product-based companies. And bringing a product to the market is, um, uh, is a task in itself because one thing is to develop. And in my team, we have like zero problems with the development part. But another thing is to make your idea profitable and um, to scale your business. And that is um, that is a science for, for me, all this marketing stuff and how you do that. That is, um, that is another story altogether. And yes, in a way, this is more, um, this is harder because you have to have some initial capital to start with, some initial investments, be it from your own pocket or you find investors or whatever route you take. But you have to invest a lot of time, money and effort into something that might not take off. And in service businesses, you start to make money from day one and you don't need like you need like zero starting uh, capital to start your business. That's an interesting perspective, and I'm glad you point that out. It's um, definitely uh, you. You know, you highlight um, a very stark contrast between um, uh, you know building a product and starting a services. I mean, you've already got the pieces of the value proposition, right? Your knowledge, your skills in a service business. Whereas with a product, it's like I've got to build this thing, I've got to put it out there, I've got to hear everybody tell me what's awful about it, and then you know keep raising more and more money to um, you know keep making it better. One thing that did occur to me, I've worked for a service business. I work for a um, DevOps consultancy, uh, so uh, somewhat similar maybe to Melavora. Um, one thing that I you know, found challenging about it, I was in the sales role, is explaining um, you know, really the value prop to people because it's more abstract than a product, right? A product, it's like, okay, here you use it, you log in, this is what it does. Um, whereas with a, you know, hiring a consultant, um, you know, wrapping your mind around what exactly they do and the value they bring can be more difficult for customers. So I guess I'm curious what sort of challenges you've run up uh, against in that regard, like explaining to customers um, the value you bring and, you know, if you've gotten any pushback maybe from people who don't understand. Well, I wouldn't say that we experienced any uh, difficulties with uh, trying to make our point why we are valuable because um well the approach we take is we like we don't push our consultants we don't push our engineers we don't like sell their brains we actually ask what problem our customers have and then we decide whether or not we can help them because uh, you cannot well i i'm against the idea of you know selling the sand to Bedouins <laughs> and uh, I'm all for uh, solving people's problems and uh, solving someone else's pain um, and actually it, it makes us feel good when we uh, actually help to solve a certain problem that uh, the companies come to us for uh, rather than selling them someone even full-time and uh, 
you, you know, it's it's not it's not the ways in my from my perspective how service businesses are run. From my perspective, it's about revealing what sort of problem they have and then come up with a solution. Uh, the difficulties we had, I presume, are the difficulties that all service businesses face with, and that is um, new customers and new projects. Because um, the most challenging part of any service business is growing and scaling, because um, it's typical for service-based businesses. Like in order to scale, one has to land either a very big customer or a big project to whom you can sell like the entire team. Otherwise, you end up wasting priceless time in communication and problem solving and going back and forth with the meetings and you don't make any real profits. So yeah, this is the hardest part and the most challenging part is to find uh, the big project and the big customer to sell your team to. That's interesting. You actually preempted my next question. I was going to ask what the most challenging part of um, you know running Melavora is. So I guess going off of that, maybe you could uh, expand upon that. And tell me a little bit more about how you um, you know kind of approached and have overcome that challenge. Well, uh, we are in the business for about three years. Uh, yeah, we 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 uh, started in 2019, so we are currently in business for three years. And um, uh, well, the 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 routes we take, I presume, are typical again for IT uh, service businesses. Those are our old customers because we, uh, to be honest, we haven't started from like zero customers. We started our business basing on a couple of customers that we previously had. And actually, all of most of the team members we're having now, we are all a well-knit team because we worked previously together. And uh, my co-founder, I have a co-founder. He's a CTO in, um, in my company. And we've been working together as well for a couple of years before we decided to start a company. And we actually um, offered to our old customers whether or not they want to work with us directly. And that's how we started. So that was like um, the initial push that we had. So we had some initial customers to start with. And currently we are uh, expanding, we're growing our portfolio on, on online resources, like starting with uh, simple ones as Upwork, LinkedIn, and social media presence. We are currently investing into um, the content strategy that we like literally never done before. So we don't even have our website optimized yet. And in this, in 2021, we finally decided to actually invest in, uh, into our growth. Um, so I presume that is a constant struggle for service businesses, but that is what makes them also interesting uh, because in service businesses, it's never about boredom. <laughs> like in product businesses, when you already have your process set up, it's sort of a boring, that is from my perspective. And in service businesses, it's a constant run. And uh, from my perspective, it's even exciting. Sure, it sounds exciting. And it uh, it sounds like you really, um, it, you know, you pre-planned this pretty well um, and you set yourself up for success uh, pretty early on, um, you know, by ha already having the book of business kind of ready to move, um, you know, as you transitioned to uh, your own business. So um, the scalability, uh, the bumps in the road, the challenges of scalability have been something, um, you know, that haven't been as profoundly difficult as they otherwise could have been. So kudos to you for doing that very well. 
Um, kind of on the same topic, but a little bit of a change of tack. I'm guess I'm kind of curious what's the biggest challenge um, for you more personally, sort of as you uh, adapt a new lifestyle change of becoming an entrepreneur. I mean, I hear from entrepreneurs, it's it cuts into a lot of your personal time. Um, you know, it's difficult to balance work and life, or, you know, it's obviously can be very stressful, anxiety inducing. I guess I'm kind of curious for you personally, where have some of those uh, personal challenges been and how have you dealt with them? So I presume that I wouldn't be too original in my answer because I presume most entrepreneurs face with the same type of problems and me being a like, female entrepreneur, I presume my problems are typical here as well uh, because I'm a mom of two and um, yeah, running a business and having to take care of the kids because I'm a primary caregiver to um, to my kids. Uh, that is a task in itself. And especially when you when you are responsible for the entire team. So I presume so the first personal struggle that I had was um, to balance time between my family and my business because business is like a sore child to me. And the second one, um, I presume, is a like a sense of responsibility for my team. Like I would even say a burden of responsibility for my team because when you already have a team, it's like you are responsible for bringing bread to their tables for for um, you know having projects to uh, justify all of their efforts. For, for, for them, I mean, I'm perhaps over-responsible person and that is why that is extremely important and extremely hard mentally for me. So that is the second um, issue I faced with because I, I'm over-responsible person. And um, I presume that's it. I wouldn't say that entrepreneurship changed much in terms of my mindset or anything because I'm sort of a stress addictive person myself and even when I worked for other companies and for when I've been an employee myself I always had had some side businesses I also have some book published already so I also tried to find some extra uh, occupation for myself some extra side business or whatever so I wouldn't say that uh entrepreneurship, running a business added much to my stress level. It was on top already. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's fine if your um, personal challenges um, aren't um, original. I, I actually think it's better that way because if, uh, you know, other entrepreneurs can relate, then they can really gain from uh, a lot of value from learning from you, how you've dealt with um, those uh, challenges. And I think an important takeaway for how you have is, um, uh, you know, be, uh, be adequately sure of how well you are able to take on stress and how well you management, you manage uh, stress levels. It seems like you have a lot of experience with that going in and you were uh, cognizant of just what you could handle which helped you definitely <laughs> yeah so um get a good grasp on that is uh something we'd recommend to uh aspiring entrepreneurs um and so it sounds like you described yourself kind of as you know you're already a mother and um you now you're the mother of uh your team so you're you have like two families kind of uh, you're a mom <laughs> to two families. yes 
One um, one thing I'm uh, kind of curious about, you know, there's uh, there's risk in striking out on your own, right? And um, I think what holds a lot of people back is uh, the fear of the risk of, let's say, starting a business and failing. Um, you know, it not not maybe failing is too harsh, but it not working out while you've got kids that you're a primary caregiver for. So I guess how did you approach? Um, you know, that risk or uh, confront that, um, you know, any potential concerns you may have had? Uh, well, I definitely had my doubts. Uh, before starting a business, I've actually had my website built a couple of years <laughs> before I started a business. That just to give you an idea how much time I lost doubting myself and being scared to death to to even start, to even try to start. And uh, I presume uh, that if it weren't for my co-founder, I wouldn't, I, perhaps I wouldn't have started for another year or two uh, because when you have another person who believes in the idea or who can, uh, you know, uh, who can stand behind your back and who can support you and who can support you with their expertise, that is extremely important because um, you you need someone who believes, if not in you, then in the idea. And uh, of course, I had my um, issues. Uh, I mean, my, my concerns. Uh, I mean, uh, financial wise, because uh, I have a family to support, and uh, that was mentally tough. But then I had uh, some savings, and I had a plan figured out how I will go through the initial month because. Um, I will be like 100% transparent with you. I haven't made any profit for the first like eight months of my operation. And uh, I didn't even pay myself like a single dollar of salary. And uh, moreover, I invested my own money into the creation of website, into like smaller um, expenses, like uh, buying a servers for our, um, for our initial for our internal needs and also for our customers, uh, investing into some um, DevOps uh, tasks that had to be done. For example, um, we had to have some corporate email set up, calendar, you know, all of that stuff, like corporate environment. So I invested into that myself and I didn't pay myself salary for the first several months. And yes, that was tough. But then when you love what you do, you're going to do that anyways. <laughs> so I just proceeded. And you know, finally, I presume I'm well, pretty much happy with where we are at this moment. That's great. Um, it sounds like uh, there are definitely some important points there I kind of want to distill down for the audience. Um, you definitely stress the importance of a of a strong support system. Um, you know, you have a great co-founder um, who you work really well with and having your co-founder there as part of your support system is definitely integral to getting started. Also, uh, it kind of goes back to what you were saying before about how you brought um, your clients over. It was that you prepared yourself in advance to kind of get the business off the ground and running. And so you um, were prepared and setting yourself up beforehand to minimize the risk. You know, you had uh, the savings, you, um, you know, you had clients to bring over so um, you didn't have to spend too yeah. much time not paying yourself 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm all for like doing it the safe way. I'm all for doing it the safest way possible. And uh, yeah, having a client to start with, it definitely like took a mountain off my shoulders because at least uh, my co-founder could, uh, he is a tech person and uh, um, yeah, he had like more concerns about his well-being and that is natural in his case. Uh, so I was at least relieved that we could pay a full-time salary to my co-founder and that we had some uh, some amount of some funds to pay our DevOps engineers to start with. So that was my initial concern. So that I could pay my people. That's it. Well, that's very noble of you to you know be thinking of your people first and foremost. I mean, that's an important part of running an enterprise is making sure your people are taken care of. Otherwise, you know, there's no culture, there's no sense of camaraderie, and people are not going to bring their best. So um, it's very, I think, enlightened of you to um, approach it that way. Uh, you know, I want to take a kind of a uh, positive tack away from the stress and challenges and talk about what's great about being an entrepreneur. So please, I'd, I'd love to hear from your perspective. What do you enjoy most about having struck out on your own and becoming an entrepreneur? Oh, well, yes, absolutely. I presume that the, the best thing about entrepreneurship and I presume the most um, the most the thing that most entrepreneurs fall for is the sense of freedom uh, when nobody's telling you what to do and instead you have to tell yourself what to do and also it's a space for creativity and um, yes in service I like I want to take like a sidestep here because in service businesses um, there is less space for creativity than in product businesses because when you create your own product that's where you are the creator of this product and you want and you can make whatever you want with this product in service businesses you're working for the customers but even in service businesses there is a space for creativity especially if you're the manager or entrepreneur or the owner of the business or the founder or founder so if you have this power of creation that it becomes like more interesting because I've had an experience where the entire team, the well-need team uh, worked perfectly, but there was a bottleneck in the process and that was the management. And that is where your creativity ends. And um, I, I don't like this feeling. I don't like my creativity being, you know, cut out <laughs> from the process. And yes, I presume that is the most important part to be um, free to do whatever I decide to do and whatever direction I think is the right direction to take and not having to uh, prove my point time and over again. Of course, my co-founder is the one I consult with um, in all regards because we have to be aware of each other's actions. That is natural. But I mean, uh, still, as me, I'm being the CEO well, in terms of directions, it's me who decides where, um, where we go. So yes, that is the most important part, freedom and um, an opportunity and an ability to be creative. All great points. I mean, I hear that a lot, um, you know, that entrepreneurship serves as a great creative outlet. And it only stands to reason um, that so many entrepreneurs uh, seek it for uh, 
for it as a creative outlet. Uh, all the entrepreneurs I find tend to be creative people who need to create. And so this is a very powerful channel for them to do so. Um, you know, you talk about freedom and I think going hand in hand with that is power, right? You have the power to decide um, your own kind of destiny, uh, how you want to create rather than being told to create by like a boss, which isn't really creating at all. So, um, that's definitely an important point um, you mentioned there. Um, you know, we, we've touched on uh, your co your co-founder and your relationship with him a bit, and I kind of want to explore that a bit more. Sometimes I've understood this, not always the case, but sometimes it's a bit of a point of contention as to who gets what role. Sometimes people want to be the CEO because they want to be where the buck stops, so to speak, um, and, you know, make the final decision, have that power and freedom you described. So how did you and your co-founder decide on who would take what role? Uh, that was pretty easy in our case because he's a tech person. He's a data architect. Uh, he's a senior data architect and he is the one who supervises all the projects in our company. And he has his like final say in whether we do take the project or not, whether we can do this or not. So that was the, the easiest part. So he was the CTO. And I am the CEO because um, I come, uh, though I do have a um, technical background, I get a master's in telecommunication, I have some scientific uh, works in my portfolio, but um, I've been working mostly as a business in business development. And that was natural for me to take on a business role because I already know a thing or two about sales, business development, marketing, and uh, yeah, product marketing. Uh, so all of this stuff, so that was pretty natural for both of us. Yeah, that makes total sense. And, you know, I'm glad to hear that it was um, so easy for you guys. I mean, you guys took a very sensible approach to it, which was to be honest with each other and yourselves about where your strengths lie and then assign roles accordingly. It seemed obvious from the get-go, you had the business acumen, your co-founders got the technical acumen, so you guys should fill those respective roles. Um, you know, I'm surprised that sometimes, uh, that not everybody sees that automatically, but I, I guess that's the case. Fortunately, it was not for you. Oh, I presume if there are issues inside the team and especially between two co-founders from the very start, it's better not, not to start at all because there will be so many issues like later along the way. Uh, so if you have issues at the very start, it's a, it's a very important question whether you should start at all. I mean, with this person, if you cannot decide on, uh, on the shore who's getting what. So yes, it's extremely important. And we were very lucky, I presume, and I'm very lucky because we both respect each other and we both have great business relationships. We've been working together for uh, several years previously and we know each other's strengths and weaknesses, um, both of us. And uh, Mike, founder, he actually has um, another business. He had a business previously and st he still has a second business. So he like had this um, grasp of financial management as well. And in this terms, he was uh, better educated than myself. And yeah, so we, I presume, so we were both very lucky to have each other at the very start. And if we had, like, if we were to have any issues before we started, I presume that we wouldn't have started. <laughs> That's it. Another important thing is to, 
you know, to to be patient with each other. If you understand that this is a person with whom you want to build a business, then you have to find some sort of compromise each time. I mean, every single time, because there will be so many issues. And I've seen so many um, other businesses fail because of the issues inside the uh, founding team. I mean, I've literally seen several uh, such uh, startups, both product and service businesses, like falling apart because of the issues inside the founding team. A lot of excellent points there. Really, really good stuff. I mean, the, you did stress the uh, virtue of patience, which is always important. But I, I think too many people overlook, um, you know, the wisdom of what you were saying, which is that if you've got conflict from the very beginning, um, that's a sign of things to come. And it's not a very good sign. I mean, if that conflict is already um, begun and you guys haven't even started the business yet, what do you expect to happen after you do when you've got even more complex decisions coming at you all the time? I mean, in all kinds of relationships, be it business, personal, whatever, people often try to force relationships where conflict is evident and it usually ends badly. So there's definitely important advice there, which is don't force it if you know your personalities and desires are clashing. I, I'm, I'm really glad you said that. Um, I want to switch it up here a bit uh, to a new topic now. Um, I, one I particularly want to ask you about given the nature of your business. I don't always go into hiring with everyone I speak to, but you're looking for um, you know very experienced and uh, Tech, you know, employees with a lot of technical know-how, consultants really, who have to be relied on for their expertise, not just people who sit at a desk and do a job. So I'm curious to hear, you know, how you approach hiring and ensuring you get the right people. Yeah, absolutely. So um, again, I don't want to <laughs> say that we are lucky, but we are lucky because first thing is uh, that my co-founder, he is an associate professor in uh, St. Petersburg State University and, he's, um, and he's been working in that university for uh, several years. So he kind of has an access to one of the best pools of Russian engineers. <laughs> So we have, uh, so that is one source of where we uh, find people. And we also attracted at the very start, I attracted um, an NLP engineer um, who also is a PhD in Ukrainian State University. And uh, she is another um, accelerator of like behind our hiring process. So she also uh, helps us to find the right resources and the right talents. And uh, she is responsible for the natural language processing part. Like we have several directions in our uh, company, like data engineering, that is uh, the area where my co-founder is the most experienced. Natural language processing is where another of our NLP engineers um, is the most experienced and she is responsible for that part and DevOps engineering. And in each area we have like senior professionals who uh, also have an access to one of the best Eastern Europeans pools of talents. And um, we try to hire, I mean, we do hire only people who live in the same time zone as ourselves, because even though we work with customers like all, all over the world, but I want my team members to be in the same time zone because we had an experience where one um, team member was based like uh, in 
Eastern Siberia and another one in UK and another one on the East Coast of uh, uh, USA. And I mean, that's crazy. And when you want to have a team meeting, that's not productive, neither for the customers nor for yourself. So, um, yes, so we are lucky to be first located in uh, one of the best uh, Eastern European hubs where we can find the right talent. And second, I got two PhDs in my team who can have an access to um, another pool of talents. Eastern Siberia, huh? <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize anyone lived out there. Um, I couldn't do it. Too cold for me. But all right, to each their own, I suppose. Well, you know, that, that that sounds like it was a pretty big learning process. I mean, you tried it with a very disparate team, realized it didn't work out and reiterated with a more local team so that, um, you know, everybody could collaborate a lot better. Makes perfect sense. Um, so going back to what you said earlier, you mentioned, you know, you're, you're kind of like, uh, you're a mother of two families. So um, I guess I'm kind of curious, you know, the work-life balance is a challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, the, the work part tends to spill over into the life part. So I guess I'm curious around how you manage, um, you know, to, to balance uh, work-life. Is there such a thing as work-life balance? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you I... tell me. <laughs> um... I'm not sure whether it exists and um, I wouldn't say that I'm like a pro at like balancing the both because it's always it's the chicken or the egg problem. So what comes first? So whether I should go and help my kids with the homework or whether I should go and work in my business. So you kind of balance both and each time it's different and uh, each each day, I mean, I never had this, uh, you know, the same feeling every day. You know, every day something is different. Every day you have to adapt to new conditions because, for example, you've scheduled everything perfectly. Like you know that your kids will be at school like till 4 p.m. So you have a lot of time to work on your business. So you start your day motivated to work on whatever you have to work on. And then your kids fall sick <laughs> in the morning. So it's never, it never goes as planned. And uh, for me, it's pretty much, I, I can adjust my schedule pretty easily, uh, thankfully, because uh, first thing, I have a team to rely on. For example, if something happens and I cannot attend the meeting with the customer, I either, either ask my uh, co-founder or someone of our senior engineers to attend it. And uh, yeah, in this, well, so this way I can sort of secure myself from that meeting. So it's every day, it's a constant struggle between the two. Uh, but I presume after several years of working in such, uh, such conditions, I kind of got used to it. And like I mentioned previously, I presume that I'm a little bit of a stress addictive. And when everything goes smoothly, I'm sort of feeling that something is wrong. <laughs> I'm not accustomed to working in, you know, conditions where everything goes smoothly. So uh, yeah, for me, it's a constant balancing the two. And sometimes it's the business that takes the most part. And sometimes it's the kids. So every day it's a constant struggle. 
Fair enough. I mean, it sounds like adaptability is definitely a key component there. You got to be ready to adapt to um, the unpredictable as it happens. And uh, you really have to anticipate the unanticipated. Um, really, uh, of course, as challenging as that may be, for sure. Um, Olga, I just have one last question for you. I mean, do you have any words of advice for fellow entrepreneurs, both current and aspiring? Ooh. Well, I presume that um, if you are able to not be an entrepreneur, <laughs> don't, <laughs> because uh, this thing is not for everyone. And um, well, uh, jokes aside, though, I, there's no one thing that I would advise to like all entrepreneurs, because we all have different businesses and different business models, and we all face different issues and different problems, and there are different approaches to all of those. Um, but whatever you face with, you're not alone. And, um, you know, both ups and downs are temporary. And that is what I want every entrepreneur to be aware of, because it's important uh, to remember that, that everything is temporary. So that in good times, you get the time to prepare for like bad times. And it bad, in bad times, you don't give up because you understand that it's, it's not for forever, it's temporary, it will pass. So um, it's extremely important to remember that because there will be so many times when you will be feeling that you're about to give up. You want to give up because entrepreneurship, it's, it's, it's a thing not for everyone. And like I mentioned, if you can not to be an entrepreneur, don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, everything else can be figured out in the process. And uh, it's important to start before you feel that you're ready because you cannot prepare for everything. And the experiences that you get through like pain and tears are the best experiences ever because you remember them well. And uh, you will never ever be ready for everything. So you cannot predict everything. So start whenever you feel that you can start. I mean, with whatever resources you have. And learn on the go, just like everyone else. Learn on the go. Some great advice there. Very wise words, Olga. I really appreciate your candor. And I really appreciate you joining uh, me today. I learned a ton from you. It was really great getting to know you and more about Melivora. And I am really excited uh, to follow along with your journey and see everything that you accomplish. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. I was happy to he be here. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Well, thanks again so much, Olga. And, um, you know, I, as I said, looking forward to everything you do. And, um, you know, best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. We'll definitely need that. <laughs> I'm sure you won't. Uh, but nonetheless, um, always good to have. Thank you. Podcast Highlights Olga's Journey to Creating Malivera 1.12 Olga Background and What Led Her to Create Malivera 9.20 Bridging the Gap with Customers and Overcoming Challenges 16.30 Taking on the Risk of Entrepreneurship as a Mother 21.15 What Olga Enjoys Most About Being an Entrepreneur 24.39 Deciding on Roles 29.40 Hiring the Right Talent 33.07 Balancing Work and Life 36.00 Words of Advice for Entrepreneurs 